Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. This morning we are uh, I'm taking a topic called the life you've always wanted. The life you've always wanted. Now I want you to think, do you ever look at people who are really, really successful in some category of their life and wonder how they got there? Maybe it's their finances. They're very successful with their finances or or on their job and in their business. It just seems that they, they get the promotions and they're moving forward. How did they get there? You look at a marriage and you see this marriage and you say, wow, do they have a great marriage? Wow, I wonder, I wonder how, they, how they got there. Um, maybe you are around somebody and they pray like they have a relationship with God and, and they know God's word. How did they develop such a prayer life? Or their family just seems to have so much joy. Maybe they're in great shape or really healthy or their overall life represents godliness or Maybe you see them and there's just a spirit of peace about them um, or, or they're super joyful. How did they get there? Is it luck? Did they inherit that money or did they, uh, did they inherit that job because their fa- father started the business or did they fall into uh, this most incredible marriage because they found the perfect man or woman? And sure, in life there's a little bit of luck. But then even if you have a lucky break, what do you do with it? So today, I am going to take us back to something that I consider foundational. This is foundational. And if you will get the principles that I'm going to talk about today into your life and into your heart, it will transform your life. Life will get incredibly better. Here's a statement for you. It's kind of a a thesis statement for me. Um, and it's, 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 it's asking you to consider your life. Here it comes up on the screen. If you have been walking with the Lord for a period of time and your life is still not transformed to the degree that you believe it should, it's very possible that you do not have this foundational truth functional in your life. If you have been walking with the Lord for a period of time and your life is still not transformed to the degree that you believe it should be, it's very possible you do not have this foundational truth functional in your life. Now, let me just add this to it. The truth I'm going to teach you about this week can work for you or against you. And in many people's lives, it is working against them because they have not consciously captured it to make it work for them. This principle works. It works daily, it works weekly, it works monthly, it works yearly. Capture it for your benefit. Because if you don't, it will work against you. So, experiencing the life you've always wanted, uh, I could say it this way, it's the life that God wants you to have. Here we go, I've got seven points. Um, We're going to go through some of them quickly, but first of all, Here's the first first one, and uh, there is a note sheet. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Now, I'm going to pick on Michaela this morning just a little bit because Michaela went to fine arts 
yesterday and did very, very well. She was in the top three, and this was original song, and so she sang an original song. I have watched Michaela. I understand something. Michaela does consistently what other people do occasionally. Michaela has developed over the years that I've watched her here into a phenomenal keyboard player because she does consistently what other people who take piano lessons only do occasionally. She practices. She works hard. She learns what she needs to do. When she was preparing this song, I suppose you probably rewrote it and repracticed it and did all these things and you thought it was awful and you presented it to someone else and they said, that's pretty good. And then you felt a little better about it. But she was doing consistently what other people only did occasionally. Anybody that is successful in any area of their life has done something consistently that people, other people only do occasionally. If, if you see somebody with a great marriage, know that they have consistently worked on their marriage, where other people only occasionally say, ooh, our marriage is a little shaky. Maybe I should work on it a little bit. Uh, if you see somebody that has financial margin, they have savings, they have investments, they have reserves, they have done something consistently that the majority of the population only does occasionally. They have said no. They have put money aside. Godly people, men and women with a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ have done something consistently that people that are not walking closely with Jesus only do occasionally or not at all. Point two this morning, it's the small things that no one sees that lead to the big results everyone wants. It's the small things that no one sees that lead to the big results everyone wants. I'm going to slide over here and pick on Michaela a little bit, but Michaela did a lot of small things and nobody saw except possibly people in your household who heard you banging on the, on the keyboard and singing at the top of your lungs. I not seen any of the small things that Michaela has done. I haven't gone outside of her home and sat there in my truck listening to her practice. I have not done that. I have not tapped into their security system and just, if they have one, but because Michaela has big results, I know that she did the small things that I didn't see. When the judges were judging your peace yesterday, and they saw the results of your peace. See, when they saw the results of their peace, they knew that she did the small things over and over and over and over again to get the big results. Any of our other students who, who qualified, uh, Hannah, you, uh, you qualified with some artwork. And for your artwork to qualify, you probably had a bunch of pieces that made the trash, right? I mean, we've, we've seen over the years that some of the masters, some of the master artists, when they get uh, and look at their pieces, they find that there's an actual painting under a painting because they were unhappy with that painting. And so they just painted over the top of it. Canvas and was, was expensive in those days, but it's the small things that no one sees that lead to the big results that everyone wants. You want that marriage. You want that financial margin. You want that relationship with Jesus. You want the relationship with your friends. You want that family uh, when, as you're raising your kids. It's the small things that no one sees that lead to the big results everyone wants. <clears throat> now, just look at me just for a second here. This isn't in your notes. In fact, I just added this 35, 40 minutes ago, just before service started. I was in my office. I thought, I, I don't know who I'm saying this to. But hear me. 
It's the small things that no one sees that lead to the big failures that no one wants. This principle is working one way or another in your life. It's the small things that no one's seeing that you're doing right now that's eroding your marriage that are going to lead to the results you don't want. It's the small things you're doing on the job right now. You don't think anybody sees the corners that you are cutting or the words that you are saying or the, uh, um, uh, the, 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 the thievery that is taking place. I don't think anybody's seeing that, but it's the small things that no one sees that are going to lead to the big results no one wants. No leader falls just like that. It was the small things that no one sees that have led to the fall or the failure that no one wants to have happen in their life. This principle is working all the time. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. It's the small things that no one sees that lead to the big results everyone wants. So let me just, let me just illustrate it this way, okay? When was the last time anyone ever said to you, now think about this, when was the last time anyone ever said to you, you know the most amazing thing, the, I can't believe this, the most amazing thing happened. I just accidentally got close to God. Just one day, poof, I stopped sinning. I stopped cussing. I started going to church. I started tithing, just bam. I got close to God. I'm so close to Jesus right now. I don't know how I got there. I mean, it just happened. It just happened. Poof! Oh, I just love God. When was the last time you heard somebody say that? Probably never, because it's not how things happen. Okay, how, how, uh, have you ever heard, you know what happened? Oh, my goodness. It, this, was, this was just amazing. I just woke up this morning, and I got all of my bills out. And I got my credit card statement, and I got my mortgage, and I got my car payment and my truck payment out, and they came all in the mail, and I didn't bother opening them last night, and I opened them today, and I'm debt-free. I don't know how it happened. I just accidentally got debt-free. It just fell into, into the bank somehow. I am accidentally debt-free. I'm going on Dave Ramsey, and I'm going to scream, I'm debt-free. Don't know how it happened, but I'm going to scream, I'm debt-free. Of course not. No one accidentally falls into those type of things. It happens because of work. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. It's the small things that no one sees that lead to the big results everyone wants. Number three this morning is this. Intentions don't determine direction. Actions determine Direction. Intentions don't determine direction. Actions determine directions. I want to tell you about the intentions that I have had for the past six to seven months. Actually, it's been longer than that, but we'll just say six to seven months. For the past six to seven months, I've had an intention. I've intended to lose weight. I've been tend you, you too, you've had that intent? In yes. Where I've been intending to lose weight. And, you know, I talked about it. And I said, you know, I'm going to lose some weight. And I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to intend to lose some weight. And let me tell you this, that in the months that I've been intending to lose weight, I have not lost a pound. In fact, I gained about five. But I'm intending to lose weight. It wasn't until recently when I started taking some action that I can now expect some results. 
Because intentions don't determine direction, actions determine direction. It's the small things that no one sees that lead to the results that everyone wants. And so I, oh, three weeks ago, started taking some action regarding weight loss and what I hope to have accomplished. I may tell you more about that as the message winds down, depending on how much time I have today. But my intentions got me nowhere, but three weeks ago I started to take action. Because intentions don't determine direction, actions determine direction. So what does the Bible have to say about this? What is the principle? What is the biblical principle that I'm basing all of these statements on? And I am basing them on a biblical principle. It's Luke's gospel, chapter 6. Excuse me. Not, um, it's Galatians, chapter 6. We'll look at Luke a little bit later. Galatians, chapter 6. Paul wrote this to the church in Galatia on the screen so you don't have to look it up in your scripture, but I encourage you to, to look at this passage, maybe highlight this passage. I have this passage highlighted in my own Bible. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. That's a strong statement the Apostle Paul says because a lot of people are walking around thinking, ah, oh, this doesn't work or this doesn't happen. Paul's saying, hey, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Don't think that you can skirt under or change this. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And that's point one, or point four today. You reap what you sow. That is what this passage clearly teaches when I was down in Atlanta a few weeks ago, my granddaughter Lucy, I found out that she wanted to uh, plant some seeds. She bought some seed packets and she wanted Papa to help her plant seeds because she knows that I like to do gardening and I think her mom didn't want to do it. So Papa got to do it, but <laughs> actually she waited for me to get down there, Sherry and I. So we went out and we got the, uh, the potting soil and we opened her seed packets and we got the soil ready, and we got the seeds, and she planted the seeds, and I showed her how to push them in just a little bit. Then we got the watering can, and we watered the seeds, and there are the pots. Now, I believe, now she's only three, so she probably wouldn't understand this, but if I went down there in July and August and, and expected to find tomatoes in any of those pots hanging there that I could pick, I'd be a very foolish man. Because I know we planted zinnias and we planted a wildflower mix and we planted some other stuff. When I'm going to go down and see those pots in June and July and August, I'm going to expect something out of those pots. I'm going to expect to see flowers because we sowed flower seeds. A man reaps what he sows. And some of you are sowing into your marriages such negative things and you're trying to think, well, you know, that's fine. I can do that. It's not going to be a problem. Yes, it will. Some of you are, are, are handling your finances in such a way that you say, oh, what does it matter if I buy? It's on sale. I'm saving money. And no, I don't have money set aside or, or I'm just barely paying the minimum on my credit card. But it's no big deal because it's fine. And then 
You lose your job or you take a cutback and you've had no reserves. You're reaping what you have sown. Second thing is you reap more than you sow. It says you'll reap a harvest. There's a, another passage that I preached on this before. It says, sow to the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. You reap more than you sow. So you're sowing a small amount of deception or you're sowing a small amount of joy, you're going to reap back more. You're sowing a small amount of, 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 of immorality or, or lust into your marriage by you, by you uh, uh, viewing porn and, 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 and by the way that you're uh, communicating with coworkers. But you don't expect anything's really going to happen, but you're going to reap a harvest in your marriage, and you're going to reap more than you have sown. Remember, it's the small things that no one sees that lead to the big results that everyone wants or doesn't want, depending on if you're sowing good things or bad things. Number four, uh, six, and you reap after you sow. You reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap after you sow. This is one of the deceptions that the enemy uses when it comes to the issue of sin. You spend 20 minutes scrolling Instagram or scrolling something else that you shouldn't be scrolling on your computer instead of maybe communicating with your spouse or communicating with your kids or doing something else. And... There's no instant or immediate problem. Or on the positive side, you, you take the time and, and you guys, you know, you have a date night, okay? And you finally got somebody to watch the kids. Luckily, you have grandparents around, but you have a date night, okay? And this is the first date night you had because you decided to invest in your marriage. And you're in the middle of the date night and you're at a nice restaurant and you get into a bad fight. I don't know if it's ever happened. Sherry and I plan a, an evening and I say something stupid. And all of a sudden, the conversation just crashes. Oh, well, date nights really work. Well, we reap after we sow. You continue to plant your date nights. You continue to have conversation and not screen time. You continue to invest in each other. You continue to listen to what she says and not try to fix things. Now, I'm saying it to you, but I'm actually talking to myself. You know, just listen to what she says and don't try and fix it. Don't try and tell her what to do uh, because I'm a fixer. That's me. And we will reap after we sow. We're going to reap more than we sow, but we're going to reap what we sow. This is huge because, as I said, this principle is working at all times. You are sowing something and you will reap something. It's working. You can take the principle and have it work for you, or you can just go about your life and all of these things are taking place, and then all of a sudden it's working against you, saying, where did that come from? How did that happen? Why is that taking place? What you sow, you reap. You'll reap more than you sow, and you will reap after you sow. Jesus had some... Very interesting words, similar words in Luke chapter 6, verses 37 through 38. Listen to what Jesus said. And in this passage, you're going to recognize a verse that you may have memorized, that may have been quoted to you, but it's very interesting in its context. Judge not, and you will not be judged. And in the, in the Greek, the tense is, uh, means 
do not continually judge. Condemn not, do not continually condemn, and you will not be condemned. Continually forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I've quoted that a lot. Given, it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will men pour into your lap or will men pour into your bosom? But what the context is, it's about judgment. It's about condemnation. It's about forgiveness. It's about things not related to money. Not that this principle doesn't work with money, but it's about things not related to money. And he says that we are going to get back what we have sown. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over are going to be poured into our lap. Are you pouring judgment? It's coming back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Are you pouring out forgiveness or unforgiveness? Are you pouring out forgiveness? It's coming back. Given, it will be given unto you. Give forgiveness, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. What are you giving? Are you giving honesty? Are you giving fidelity? That's a word we don't use that much anymore. Are you giving um, purity? It will come back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But you go into the negative part, and the principle still works. What you reap, you'll reap what you sow. You'll reap after you sow. You'll reap more than you sow. You're going to put some of these things. Let's use um, condemnation. If you are going to be a condemning, uh, backbiting, fault-finding type of a person, boy, it's coming. You're planting seeds. It's coming. After you've planted, and it's going to come as a harvest, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will people pour back on you. See, you can get this working for you, or it's going to work against you, but it's going to work. It is a foundational principle. Going back to that original statement that I made, if you're wondering why your life isn't where you thought it should be after the amount of time that you've been walking with God, you've been walking with God for 10 years, you've been walking with God for 15 years, you've been walking with God for 20 years, and you're still dealing with the stuff that you dealt with when you came to Christ, what have you been planting? Because you're reaping what you've been sowing. In verse 43 through 45, just a few verses later in Luke 6, look what it says. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from bramble bushes. The good person, okay, look what this says. This is key here. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure, out, out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Most of the issues, most of the planting, most of the sowing, and then the reaping is what we're doing in our hearts. You know what Jesus was talking about? Judgment, condemnation, forgiveness. Sure, those manifest themselves in actions, but they start in the heart. You can come up to someone that you really dislike and say, I forgive you. But if you haven't forgiven in the heart, you're, you've not forgiven. 
The words should be an expression of truly what's in your heart. But some people say the words, but it's not in the heart. And Jesus said that if you're going to reap, look at it, verse 45 again, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. You harvest good. You have sown good in your heart. You've sown good in your thoughts. You're not critical. You're not bitter. You're not judgmental. You're not condemning. You're not unforgiving in your heart. You're not nitpicking in your mind. You're not mulling over everybody's problems in your mind and in your heart. Because if you do, what you're doing is you are storing up in the evil treasury of your heart and it's going to pour out. But if you take the time in your heart to be kind, if you take time in your heart to be forgiving, if you take time in your heart to be encouraging, if you take time in your heart to put the positive things out of the good treasure of your heart, will you have a harvest? Um, Sherry mentioned this morning about the class that uh, she is teaching about the battlefield of the mind. That's where the heart is. It's in your mind. What are you feeding your mind with? What are you feeding your mind with? If you sow godly seed and godly habits over time, you will receive a godly harvest. Sow love, kindness, forgiveness, joy, encouragement, patience, hard work, honesty, all of these things. You will, you will reap a godly harvest. But if you continue to sin, hold bitterness, speak disrespectfully to people, uh, blow up when crossed, if you're harsh, unloving, unforgiving, judgmental, if you hate people, it will come back multiplied. I have a, a, a note here. I just want, if you tune me out, tune me back in here for a second. If you tune me out, tune me back in. It's one of those Sunday morning things that I put in my notes. I don't know who I'm speaking to. I may be speaking to somebody who will watch this on demand. It has to deal with honesty and dishonesty. There's someone who is listening or will be listening who is not being honest in their speech, in their actions. I don't know if it's to an employer. I don't know if it's to your family. I don't know if it's to your spouse. But you are sowing. And it's not big things. It's just little things. Just little things. Little dishonesties here. Little dishonesties there. You're, you're, a little lie here. A little bending of the truth. It's not totally a lie, but you just haven't told the whole story. You know what I'm talking about? Make sense? Here's what the Holy Spirit really wanted me to communicate to you, whoever you are, whether uh, online or here in the building. That little dishonesty that really doesn't amount to a whole lot right now are planting seeds. Those seeds are finding a place in, in your heart, and those seeds are growing, and they are going to reap, you're going to reap a crop back to you. People aren't going to trust you. People are going to catch you in some of these lies. You're going to blow them off, but all of a sudden, you're going to find your life going in a negative direction. And what I want to encourage you to do is to change that. Be honest. Start changing what you're planting. Plant honesty. Don't plant deception. Don't plant lies. Don't keep uh, things from people that uh, maybe you're keeping from. Be honest and see what happens. Number seven. Number seven. As we wind this down. And then I'm going to tell you a story. If you don't like what you're reaping, Change what you're sowing. If you don't like the harvest, change the seed. If you don't like where your life is right now, then I would encourage you today, tomorrow, okay, I don't like where my life is. What am I sowing that has got me to this point? 
could be laziness. You're saying, why, why can't I ever get a promotion? Maybe you're sowing laziness. Why can't, why can't, why, why will people not get close to me? Why, why, why can't I have good relationships? Well, when they do, are you, are you constantly discouraging and cutting down and, and backbiting? That was my problem when I was a teenager. Oh man, I could, I could just phew, cut you down with my words. And then I would go home and wonder, why doesn't anybody like me? Until somebody pointed it out. And it was like, oops. If you don't like what you're reaping, change what you're sowing. In your marriage, if you're always self-centered, if you're lustful, if you're binging on porn, porn, should you expect a really godly marriage? On your job, if you show up late, you come in with a bad attitude, you work half-heartedly, should you expect to get promoted? In relationships and friendships, if you regularly tear down, if you regularly blame and shame a person, if you are bitter and unforgiving, should you expect to have great friendships? One statement coming up on the screen from a book by Darren Hardy. Darren Hardy wrote this book called The Compound Effect. He made this statement, small, smart choices plus consistency plus time equals radical difference. Small, smart choices plus consistency plus time equal a radical difference. When you make the first small, smart choice to be honest or the first small, smart choice choice to invest in your marriage, you will see no difference at all. I use the illustration, you go on your first date night and it ends in a fight. <laughs> You're not going to see any difference at all. It can take months or even years for it all to compound. That's why he calls it the compound effect. We have to be consistent. In your relationship with God, in your Bible reading, in your debt reduction, in your savings, in your work ethic, in your marriage, You've got to be consistent. Small, smart choices plus consistency plus time equals radical difference. I'll tell you a story. It's called the 125-calorie challenge. I heard Pastor Craig Rochelle share this illustration a couple of months ago. It really hit me. I brought it into my own home. So I want you to imagine now as I illustrate this story. Guy one over here, not in the best shape, overweight, looks like your pastor. We'll call him guy one, okay? Guy number two is over here. All three, same body, height, same weight, whatever. Guy one wants to lose some weight. Yeah, he got on his scale. It said help. So we're going to use him as the one who's going to make some changes to lose some weight. Guy number two, he's our control guy, okay? He's, he's going to do nothing different. And guy number three is going to do something else. This is the 125-calorie challenge, and this so uh, impacted me. Guy one makes a decision. He makes a choice to reduce his calorie intake or to somehow burn extra calories, 125 calories a day. That's it. 125 calories a day. That's one soda or one snack, or a little walk, or maybe not an extra portion. 125 calories a day, that's what he's going to do. Guy number two, our control guy, he's going to do nothing different. His life's going to be the same. He's going to exercise as much as he always has. He's going to eat as much as he always has. He's going to stay the same. And guy number three over here, he's going to do just one small thing. He's going to increase his calorie count 125 calories a day. That's it. 125 calories a day. He's going to have an extra piece, just a small piece of pie. Or he's going to have an extra soda. 
125 calories a day. 125 calorie challenge. Three months go by. Three months go by. Guy one, 125 calories. He reduced 125 calories a day. Guy three, he increased 125 calories a day. Guy two has done nothing in the middle. You look at all three, you see no difference. Three months, 90 days, no difference. And this is what happens. Because after that first week or two or that first month, guy one is going over here, listen, I have not been having that extra soda or I've been cutting this out or I've been walking every day. And my goodness, not a change has happened. This is frustrating. And that's what happens to most of us because it's those small changes, it's those small things that we do that no one sees that make the big changes everybody wants, but they're small and they don't happen instantly. All three guys look the same. Six months go by. Guy one, guy three. Almost no noticeable difference. Six months, folks. That's from Christmas to June. And you can't see a noticeable difference. You get on the scale, especially in those early days. You get on the scale one day, good I'm down, and you get on a scale two days later, and you're up. How does that work? You've cut out the, you cut out the stack. You've gone walking. I think it's the scale, right? The scale's broken. Okay, six months go by. Not that much of a noticeable difference. And guy one really gets frustrated because he's thinking to himself, look, I walk when I don't feel like it. I didn't eat the chocolate bunnies that were left over from Easter I would have thought something would be changing. And then he looks over at guy three who doesn't walk, who did eat all the chocolate bunnies left over from Easter. He sits and he plays on his phone for the amount of time, the amount of extra time that guy one is walking. And he looks almost no different than six months ago. Now, here's where it gets interesting. At 18 months or so, guy one, guy three, guy two begin to look quite different. But on month 27, month 27, the change between the three of them, but especially between guy one and guy three, is startling. No difference here in guy number two. Okay. Guy number one, at 125 less calories a day. 125. One soda, one snack, one walk. Has consumed... 117,500 fewer calories. That translates to 33.5 pounds. Guy number three has consumed just only an extra 125 calories a day. It's nothing. It's not like going to the Cheesecake Factory. You know what I'm talking about? You can consume in one piece of cheesecake 1,400 extra calories at the Cheesecake Factory because I've done it, and I like it. <laughs> but guy three has consumed only 125 calories a day. But that means he's consumed over 27 months 117,500 more calories. He's gained 33.5 pounds. From guy one to guy three is a 67 pound difference in their weight with 125 calories per day. You reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow, and you reap after you sow. 
Now Sherry hears me talking about it, and I saw her when I started to give this illustration. I watched her face. Oh, he's talking about that. I, I, I go home, and I'm, I'm saying, hey, Sherry, I'm, uh, I'm going to go out and take a walk. Remember, the 125 calories. So I talk about the 125 calories, and she's probably getting uh, upset about it because we had, we're the ones with the chocolate Easter bunnies, and she's not eating them either. I'm not saying she, she's, got, she's not guy three. She, she started her program long before I did. In fact, she's been my challenge. But we had, um, we had Easter bunnies left over we forgot to give to the grandkids so I mean what are we supposed to do with them right and 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 they're only 170 calories each she checked she said you're gonna have some chocolate I said no 125 calories 125 calories I did have one over the time but I haven't eaten that many over the past six weeks since I've or excuse me over the past three weeks since I started doing this I have lost nothing that the scale said nothing Absolutely nothing. And I'm so glad that I'm looking out down the road 27 months. Now, I don't know that I'm going to lose 33 and a half pounds. I'm, gosh, that'd be my high school weight. Maybe I will. But it's the small things that no one sees that makes the big difference that everyone wants. And so... I'm going to be out walking the neighborhood. I'm going to be passing on the chocolate that sits in our pantry. Yesterday, oh, yesterday was tough. Yesterday was so tough. Um, I finished work here at the office and was in the drive-thru at McDonald's to pick up a couple of Diet Cokes for Sherry and I. And we've been drinking Diet Coke forever, so that doesn't count in 125 calories. We've got to find it someplace else. And guess what was on sale? The strawberry cream pie pie that I absolutely love at McDonald's. And they weren't very expensive. And, you know, I've been really good with my walking and stuff. I wanted strawberry cream pie so bad. But I said 125 calories. I don't know what those things are. Probably much more than that, each of them. And you have to buy two because, you know, they're two for $2. Because you only buy one, you got to pay $1.39. Why should I pay $1.39 for something when I can get two of them for $2, right? That's why they're two for $2. But I didn't. I came out of there with only Diet Cokes. Why? Because I want to see the long-term results. This is truly a spiritual principle. It's a natural principle, and it's a principle I'm going to encourage every single one of us again to consciously capture in our lives. You reap what you sow. You reap after you sow. I haven't reaped anything with my 125 calories per day diet. I haven't reaped a thing. But I will. And I will reap ultimately more than I sow. He said, no, you're not. You're just going to lose 125 calories. You know, if I lose 33 pounds, I think my heart is going to be a little bit healthier. I think my cholesterol might be down. I think my energy levels will be better. I think I'm going to possibly be happier. I think I'm going to sleep better. I'm, you know, especially if it's a large amount of weight, my joints are going to be better. And I'm, I'm beginning to feel a little bit of that. I'm going to reap more than just the fact that I've lost 33 and a half pounds. There's going to be other things that are going to become a part of that. Sherry's going to come up and say, hey, you stud. <laughs> That's worth it.
No one accidentally got to where they are. Whether it's debt-free, good marriage, good relationship with God, health, weight loss. It's a slow process of doing the right things. Going back to um, Hardy's statement, small, smart choices plus consistency plus time equals a radical difference. And that's what I want to say. Successful people do consistently what unsuccessful do occasionally. It's the small things no one sees that lead to the big results everyone wants. Intentions don't determine direction. Actions determine direction. You reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. You reap after you sow. And if you don't like what you're reaping, change what you are sowing. If you don't like the harvest, change the seed. Bow your head as I pray. Lord, you have reminded us that we should not be deceived. But the enemy would deceive us. The enemy would deceive us that we could do certain things and, and they're not going to impact us. But you reminded us in Galatians 6, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And so, Father, I pray that we would stop sowing to please our flesh because the promise is from the flesh we will reap destruction. But, Lord, that we would become men and women who sow to please the Spirit. For from the Spirit we will reap eternal life. Lord, it's easy to become weary, weary in doing good because, Father, we see no uh, benefit sometimes for doing good, but you remind us for at the proper time, if we will continue to do good and not grow weary, for at the proper time, we will reach, reap a harvest if we don't give up. So, Father, I choose and I pray over this congregation that, therefore, as we all have opportunity, we are going to do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The wind things down. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for those that are online. I took, um, well, I'm right, about, I'm right on time right now, but I'm going to take another minute or two. But thank you. Thank you for your continual support of this church. Uh, those of you that are here leaving things in the basket or uh, having checks mailed or doing our, our online giving, thank you for that. For those of you at home, um, God bless you. If, you. if you need prayer, contact us at the office. We would love to pray for it. For those of you in the building, we have prayer request cards in the seats. If you have a prayer request, fill out one of the cards, leave it in the basket. We will pray for that. We will also close this service by offering prayer for any of you that uh, would like prayer this morning. Any of my prayer team members that are here, would you make your way to the front, please? Um, prayer team members, anybody that's here and able to pray? Okay. Uh, Koblenzis, would you come in and join us to do that? Yeah. Um, Nathaniel, would you come and be available to pray with folks? Would you stand? If you need prayer this morning, please come and receive. Bow your heads, bow your eyes, or close your eyes, bow your heads, close your eyes. May his favor be upon you. May his favor be upon you. May his word get deep within you. May the concepts that I have talked about transform your life. For God is with you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. Believe that. Believe that the God of the universe is for you. Receive today how much he loves you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. For those in the building, if you have a prayer need, there's people here that will pray for you for whatever that need would be. The rest of you, God bless you. Home audience, God bless you also. 
You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. 